This episode of the podcast was quite the treat. My next two guests today are young filmmakers out of Geelong who I had the extreme pleasure of working on a feature film last year called Stringy Bark. Now, we've got a writer, director and cinematographer duo and they've been working on this project for quite some time and they finally got it off the ground through a miraculous, serendipitous turn of events and some publicity, which they deserved 100%. And they were able to bring their project, Stringy Bark, to life. An incredible story, or well, not a story, an incredible biopic on the men and women involved in the murders of Stringy Bark with Ned Kelly. It's the first film in history to ever tell the story from the perspective of the cops and their families. The fallout from that, the juxtaposition between the cops and Ned Kelly in terms of experience and training uh, and really debunking. Uh, this whole Robin Hood myth. He was not a nice guy. He did terrible things. And just because he was um, flamboyant in dictating a letter here and there did not make him a good guy. Ben Head and Ben Thompson, incredible young lads. I love chatting with them and hanging out with them. And I'm really excited to have them on the show. Big wonder. This episode of the podcast is not brought to you by Naked Wines. Now, I can't say enough good things about Naked Wines. Naked Wines is a co-op of sorts that really invests in bringing up and, excuse the pun, but cultivating young or independent winemakers, growers in Australia. Um, independent growers who aren't a part of, you know, your major... Um, guess corporations of sorts so your coals and your big w uh, not big w's your coals your bws's your woolies and dan murphy's and they adhere to a strict guidelines of percentage of how much uh, of the grape is in the wine and so it doesn't go below and they so anyways the, the best way to come across them the way that i came across them was to find um there was a post floating around on facebook so if you get jump on your facebook type in naked wines and you'll find on there somewhere a little survey that that they hold to teach you a little bit about what's happening in the wine industry in australia at the end of this survey you'll get a voucher and that voucher is for fifty dollars off your first purchase of a six pack of wine which is about 75 dollars. so you end up paying 25 dollars for six bottles of incredible wine delivered for free, their customer service is absolutely fucking unbelievable. It's the best I've ever come across of any kind. And from there, you go onto an angel's waiting list. And that took me maybe maybe two months, maybe a little bit longer. And they keep keep you updated as you go along as to whether how long, how far in you are. When you complete your time on the waiting list you become an angel and that means that $40 per month if you decide to go with it um, which I highly recommend goes into an account and it just sits there and it's there for you to use on wine now as an angel you get between you know 50% to 15% off all of their wines and you can just let that money accumulate and if you let it accumulate and one day you decide you know what I've never used this I want my money back Boom, that money's yours. But in the meantime, whilst all these angels um, have excess money that's accumulating in their accounts and what have you, they use that to help more and more winemakers in Australia. I think it's pretty unreal. It's a great business model, and I love the guys over at Naked Wines. How are you? Really good. Thanks, Josh. Thanks for having us. As well. Thank you. Good, good. Thanks for coming down. Um, welcome to Big Wonder. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. cheers, everyone. Indeed. Congratulations on the new job. Thank you. That's Very pretty good. awesome. Good. Yeah. I'm a commercial man now. Uh, commercial. He's crossed over. I know, to the dark Can't side. Can't go back. Well, that's <laughs> when you can. Oh. Who was it? There was a Spike Jones does commercials. All right, let's. I'm gonna just tune you in on the the mics here, guys. You're gonna have to pass that shit. Okay. All right, yeah. All right, yeah. 
I know it sort of breaks up the flow a little bit. No, that's of, right. Yeah. Um, but I've had, a, just having done this a couple of times now, but it's funny, right? You can be sitting across from each other and I've got feedback at my, uh. on my thing. But, but then when you're talking and you go like this, all of a sudden I can't hear that person. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. So yeah, anyways, there's one of the uh, awesome trials and errors of trying to work out how to run a fucking podcast. Adapt. Yeah, come survive. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Bert Ben. I have to drink my own pass. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me, um, you've just wrapped on your second project for for VCA. Yep. VCA. Yeah, VCA. Yeah. Yep. And you finished up. You're graduated. Essentially. Much, yeah. Yeah. So classwork's done. Graduate in December, I think. I don't think we've even got dates yet. But uh, yeah, all done and dusted. It's uh, it's the first film that I'm kind of really happy with coming out of VCA, which is I'm really happy about. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's been real close to my heart for a while. Of course, my grandfather was in the same unit that the the guys in the film are portraying, so that's that's really close. Just to give home. us a quick yeah talk about it. Sure. Give so us a promo. My friend, my enemy was the was the film. Um, it focuses on a section of British soldiers um, in in 1944, so the second last year of the Second World War. And they come across a German machine gun position basically in a church and they, they sneak around. Um, they want to capture prisoners for intel. Um, something happens. They end up capturing one one of the prisoners. And uh, what happens next is they kind of make a connection with this with this German soldier and they realise that there's, you know, a whole lot more to war than just gunning down people and politics and murder and all the names. Yeah, these, these are people just, yep. just like you and I. Exactly, yep. Yeah, who are forced probably against their will, just like you, or or under the illusion that they're, and then they get into it. And it's exactly. Like, Not a holiday. Yeah. Mm. A lot of them thought that way, though, um, which is fair enough. At the time, like, you hear a lot of the stories, and it's like you, you're on this farm or in some crappy little abode somewhere in the countryside, and army life, even if it's going to war, is far better than living at home you get three meals a day you get yeah you get clothes Where do you, I get, sign up? you get to travel the world yeah it's yeah. Far, so when they think of it like that you go oh, okay so you can i reckon completely understand that some of the mindset back then and you shot it as well too ben right i'm the tech guy just can't get <laughs> enough guy yes i was the uh visuals man yeah shot on the aria mirror which was pretty fancy that um, was and that's provided by sc- Yes, but yeah. free of charge. We were just looking at prices for maybe future films. <laughs> what are they? <laughs> 750 a day, no lenses, just the base camera by itself. And what is it to buy, 50? Oh. I think it was the the, uh, that the camera was itself is what? 90 grand. 90K, 90. but that's, that's the cheap part. The lenses <laughs> the lenses are like, oh, we, we were at um, a production house the other day for an excursion at Swinburne and um, oh he was talking about lenses that were like 50 grand each so a kid of five and what know, is it that you're paying for the glass or just basically yeah. the, the aperture I mean, and then look he was showing us on this there was this projector he shut up and he turned the lights off and there's a big diagram filter that you put in and it shows the sharpness and the distortions in each different lens you know you got your anamorphic lenses which squeezes the frame in so it's got sections in this diagram slide that he's putting in this projector um, to show the distortions that anamorphic lenses have. And some of them, the edges are super blurred. It has a very distinct look. Some vintage lenses have different sort of distortions here and there, but the distortions were so minimal that I was just thinking, like, what's the... Why pay the... Ex- yeah. Like, I know you, it's good getting, like, quality glass because, you know, like, like Zeiss glass is very thin. It works great in, in low light. Because it's just high there's quality There's not as much precision. distance of travel. Yeah, so there's not as much noise in darker areas and everything. I mean, but there's a lot of good quality lenses that can do that. I don't, I don't see the point in getting massive distortions. Well, I mean, yeah, each, each to their own. Yeah. Um, I, I wouldn't mind trying to shoot on anamorphic at some point. It's very it's expensive. What, what? Explain that to me and give me an example of what you would use that for. So I'd like to shoot a music video with anamorphic because it's very... If a light enters an anamorphic lens, because it's squeezed, it has a massive flare effect. Okay. And okay. it's it's really... It's a dreamy a little bit. Yeah. And it's just... 
There's something about it. There's there's a look that I can't really put my finger on. Like I can imagine um, Terrence Malick might use. Yes, okay. I'm pretty sure he right. is an anamorphic man. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That and I don't know, just the satisfaction of saying I've shot on anamorphic. <laughs> that's always good on the cool. on yeah. the CV. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I often throw in that I started in a dark room in the late mm. 90s. Oh, yeah. You know, that's just always a, a good good start. Yeah, yeah, I've got zero desire to go back, but mm. I, I'm glad I had a taste <laughs> of it. You know. Yeah. <laughs> And all the dermatitis that came with it, and yeah. you know, <laughs> um, carcinogens, like, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 Mm. Um, so just to sort of uh, recap, so that um, people who are listening know how we know each other, mm. and you know, we've sort of talked about it ad nauseum a little bit, but anyways, it's it's a good good sort of building block for the conversation. Stringy bark. Um, tell me where you guys are at with that now. So with Stringy Bark, so we've wrapped post-production as of maybe a couple of months ago. Uh, we went had our premiere at Lawn Film Festival. There were an awesome bunch of people down there. Who Which um, let me just slide in really quickly. Yep. Biggest selling film in Lawn's history. Yeah, which is awesome. Um, yeah, really, really well received from what we heard. Um, so we're really wrapped with that. But yeah, so we're uh, currently applying for a classification. So uh, taking a bit of time, a bit of a process. H- how do they... I mean, they obviously, obviously they view the thing and then they have a sort of, I guess they accumulate how many times this happens, how many times that happens. Yeah. And how do they, um, what's the word I'm looking for? How do they go, oh, now we're stepping into this territory on the yeah. violence. How do they quantify that? Like, I assume they have like their kind of criteria. Um, so it's a board of, I think it's five or six people. I could be completely wrong. Um, yeah, and they sit and they just, it, there's this, this stuff like, you know, nudity language sex of course violence and mm-hmm. then i guess yeah there's probably like a a certain amount of times where it ticks over or you know if, if something if you know if the c-bomb is thrown once that might tick it over i don't know <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. yeah so we're waiting for a rating and then we can hit up the uh independent cinemas hopefully so that's the they're looking at it now yeah okay yep. cool yep. And what's yeah oh, yep. you got the dvd done yeah, oh. is all done. Yep. Cool. So uh, yeah, it's all happening. So now we're yeah. just waiting game. So yeah, sweet, sweet. Um, and then yeah, so independent cinema release, hopefully soon. Um, and have you got someone like you that you're pitching to, or um, yeah, so we've got a few targets. Um, Pivotonian in Geelong, they're like a great bunch of people down there. Um, but basically any kind of independent cinema around Australia, we're just gonna we're gonna approach i think it'd be ideal to kind of just spread it far and wide especially up in kelly country so i spoke to a journalist up at uh where was he he said he was near stringy bark um can't remember the town but it was oh border mail in uh albury wodonga i think yeah and he he said their cinema up there might be might be keen yeah right um, beechworth has got a great vibe yeah, up there too but yep. when i was um, doing my research for to play ned that was the town that was most I had the best sort of, I want to say liberal vibe. But when I was talking to people and they, you know, considered Kelly country and what have you, they were all pro this film. Okay. Whereas if I was having a, a bit of a session in Glen Rowan, maybe, yeah. <laughs> I might <laughs> might have kept that one to myself. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> it was a totally different thing. And they were really like, oh, wow, I can't wait to see this. Okay. This is really, really great. Yep. Sick of the whole Glen Rowan hero, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So, and the party scene there was, like say, there was just, was a much more welcoming vibe, I thought, and not as touristy right. as well, yep. you know, because um, I imagine that might not, not fare so well too if you yeah. had it playing in the in the tourist mecca yeah. and they're all going, huh? That's true. Yeah. What? <laughs> I thought he was a good guy. I was expecting Robin Hood. Yeah. No, I'm surprised actually. There's a lot of um, American... Uh, history YouTube videos that I've been watching and they kind of just keep him as a criminal. Like, Is that right? Yeah, I, have, I haven't seen too much glorification by the Americans. Um, I'm surprised that they know yeah. anything, actually. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> you know, they have, like, some poorly done animations and it's like, <laughs> right, right. the real Iron Man. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> cringe. <laughs> um, but, uh, you yeah, may think it started just... in 2007, <laughs> but really... Was eighteen seventy eight, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, they kind of just go over the facts, and it's no romanticizing. It's just kind of. And that's what there was an outlaw. Yeah. 
but because of Australia's history with anti-authority, it's like, well, outlaws are good, apparently. <laughs> I don't know why, but... <laughs> yeah. A guy said to me the other day, which kind of um, got my goat a little bit, he found out that we'd done the film and he went, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm patriotic, so, you know, I support Ned. And I went, oh, and you think we're not? Just because we're <laughs> looking at the facts of this, you know? I, in fact, I feel like I'm more patriotic. I'm going for the guys that have kind of... Well, in saying that, I'm not going for anyone. It's just merely telling another side of the story. But, uh, yeah, these guys were supporting the community, the government, the you know, the Crown at the time and uh, doing a very dangerous job, horrifically what? dangerous. And that's an interesting thing that you say there as well, that you're telling the other side yeah. of the story. I kind of feel like there's really only one side. You know, <laughs> it seems pretty black and white. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Even though yeah. it was a long time ago, it's like, I mean, you're a criminal. Mm. You kill policemen. That's black and white to me. You know it what is. I mean? This, it is. It's it's a little different if this if this this copper was beaten on you and the whole town saw it and it was written up mm. and whatever there happened to be. <laughs> like but there's so much questioning in the air, you know. So yeah, that makes yeah. it more difficult. Um, I know it's a pain pain in the ass with that mic, but um, you guys are going to cause me hell in editing. So keep it close. Cool. Just just cherry up to each other. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, that's really, really good. So that'd be cool to see that getting played at a cinema through that region. Yeah, hopefully. You know? And go. also a nice, like, um, personal touch to something that they still consider quite close to their hearts, especially any descendants of, I don't want to say, like, the, the family members or whatever, but even the non-supporters that have tales handed down from that side that you don't get to hear so much mm. when we were presenting the... Um, research there was plenty of non-supporters yeah so for them to see that film come through there i reckon would be pretty pretty awesome yeah and a good excuse to go another road trip and yeah i reckon have another another viewing of it yeah um now what will you do the two of you you're now you've got another year of studies left ben yeah yeah another year left and ben you're out into the world now yep don't know what next year will bring but we'll see (laughs) What's your plan for it? Oh, look, yeah, just start looking for jobs, start meeting people. Um, yeah. How do we, how will you go about that? Like, oh, yeah, just um, go for any any kind of job in the film and TV sector. I guess I'm happy to do whatever to start with, and uh, yeah. Well, give me an example of that, because and then I think anyone who's <coughs> listening would be really curious how yeah, to, yeah. how someone who's just made quite like the film that you've made, and you've got another one in the bag ready to come out. What do you now do? At how old? Twenty one. Twenty one. What do you now do to keep that ball rolling? Mm. I think, yeah, just keep the creative juices flowing is my plan, I think. Um, and look, this is this is for both of us. It's been our, our hobby and that for a long, long time. So we'll never, even though we get, you know, distracted by life or whatever and things just keep coming, it's it's what we enjoy. So it's, I feel like if we, if I, I couldn't stop doing it really, I'd have to be doing something, you know, for the both of us. Um, no, for sure. Yeah, for sure. so yeah, just keep keep cracking keep uh keep reading i like to read um, which kind of generates my thoughts as well i read the paper even i, I sit down and i think oh, i'm gonna read this because i'm gonna learn something and you know might generate some thoughts so in terms of yeah just keeping content going i think we'll always be doing that um but yeah um in terms of jobs um like i'd love something in the administration production pre-production kind of role for um, a yeah production for, company yeah, or something. yeah i'd yep. be maybe looking at something like that even just I'd be happy to be a runner. Just yeah, start meeting. Just people. just do you do your time a little bit and, yeah, and get on the sure. ground yep. and start get the logistics on. down. For sure. And with your short film that comes out of VCA and like you must be using this collection of footage now as as hey, this is what I've done and what have you. Um, but also will you sort of you know, look for or network with writers who are looking for a director and stuff like that? Have you got a sort of plan for that? I don't have a plan about it, uh, for it, I should say. But, uh, yeah, like uh, there's a lot of, you know, people coming out of this um, this sector in uni and, um, yeah, a lot of people ready to um, to network and just start start meeting people. So, yeah, I, I, I just want to meet as many people as I can through whatever means and, um, yeah, just start building up our... Uh, our uh, bunch of mates, I guess that's what I refer to us all as. But um, yeah, uh, even this last year's been great 
kind of crewing for my classmates. I've met a whole lot of new people, met pe- people through, because of course Ben and I are at different unis, so met, it's been great meeting, you know, people from, the, you know, another uni that will all eventually be working alongside each other. So yep. it's, um, yeah, I think it's all about networking really. Because you guys have got a really sweet little crew that you guys do mm. projects together. Yeah, great on bunch of people. Like they're really, really awesome. Yeah. I mean, I've said this a bunch of times. I said it on the last podcast we were talking about. In, 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 in my limited experience, the rarity of having a, a, a cast and crew like Stringy Bark, you know, and I, and in a humble way, um, use my own film mm-hmm. as an example of the polar opposite. Mm. It's a fucking nightmare <laughs> from, from the get-go, mm. you know, fraught with problems yeah. and creative differences and people dropping out and all kinds of shit. Mm. Um Whereas yours was a piece of cake, and I think it that seems just, like yeah, my, yeah, yeah. And no, it, it definitely was. And that I put that down to people wanting to work with people. Um, and I think no matter what you go into, I like to think of it as you know, if you're if you put your heart on your sleeve, you're as friendly as you can be. People will gravitate towards wanting to work with you, even if it's a, you know that's giving their time or whatever. So. And you know, I like to think that we that we handpicked the best kind of group of people that we could. have you know, that we could spend our time with and make something with. So that it was all down to them really. Yeah. And even to, um, interesting just how the universe works and what have you in terms of how I came to play Ned having auditioned for someone else and telling you I can't be close to horses, mm. the serendipity of that. And then Ben Watts coming into it and missing your email and then finding it later yeah. and your guy pulling out and, yep. uh, and, and, all you know respects to everyone ben was the perfect fit he was he was awesome and I feel, he was I feel so like, good yeah uh, all that stuff was just it just felt like one of those moments where it was like this is meant to be and you know you can't plan this stuff um yeah great bunch of actors that we worked with um yeah it's speechless really how, how awesome you guys were and i thought uh just dialing back to your other film saxon was yeah. yep. an absolute smash in Fantastic. that short yep. i yep. thought he was so perfect for yep. it um, he crushed it. He did. Yeah. He did, and you'll see him very shortly on the screen. But yeah, he he he's so f- fellow VCA boy. Um, but yeah, met him through the Stringybark process, and uh, yeah, he said he'd kind of dabbled in the German accent, German Which language. Which he delivered. He did. I did like three weeks of it in um, Tafta yep. for this six-minute monologue from. I want to say it's called duets, but I'm mm. probably wrong. It's a an old play. And then there was a film with, um, God, I always forget her name. And I just said it the other day and I was so impressed that I'd forgotten it. What's the, what's the chick from um, Sound of Music? Oh, uh, yeah. Um. <laughs> it's not Daniels this. or something, is it? We can cut this section. Um, ah. I don't want to go... Uh, we won't get into Googling, but um, it'll come to me in a second. Anyways, that's terrible. We <laughs> just lost a female audience oh, completely. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come halfway through the podcast. Uh, anyways, and it was a film. Julia something. Julie, Dan- no, Julie no, Andrews. Julie Andrews, yeah. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> Daniels, Daniels' sister. <laughs> anyway, she did a film about it, which expanded. It's one of Liam Neeson's first roles. Who God, he looked so bizarre in it. And Max von Snyden, or whatever his name is. Um, but it was, yeah, a six-minute monologue. I just started acting. And the teacher's like, oh, and by the way, you've got to do it in a German accent. It's tough, dude. It's yeah. really, really yeah. tough. Yeah. So and I feel like with that role, like it's it's do or die with the accent. Otherwise, it just comes through as, you know, you're not genuinely German. But, oh, he smashed it. It was unreal. It's one of those things that people just hate on hate on you massively yeah. for if you don't nail it unless you're 100%. an A-lister or something like that and you're yep. doing a great job already and they just go, exactly. ah, we'll let it go, yeah. you know. Um, and we had an awesome girl on set, um, Melina, her, her name was RMIT uh, student, but she was doing props and wardrobe. Uh, but, yeah, so she's German, so she doubled up as the accent coach, which wow. was fantastic. Yeah, that's great. Um, so that really helped. Was Kira doing a little bit of that when she was – on set did she sort of help out there yeah, she did yeah yeah um so i think it i don't know where she was from in terms of where the characters were from but yeah she really helped a lot of that dialogue she's, oh you mean her character or in real life i meant her yeah where she's really from she's I, from I, dublin I, yeah okay so i think one i think lonigan 
his character was from Dublin originally, so Constable Lonigan. But yeah, we we put the guys through um, yeah a couple of sessions of accent coaching with a, a VCA girl by the name of Linda. She was doing Irish accent coaching. Um, but yeah, Kira certainly helped on set too, which was which was good. Nice, nice. Yeah, she um, she said to me after because obviously we worked together and did she worked on Lauren and um, those show rule pieces and that. But course, we were talking yeah. about the accents and what have you. And, uh, and I sort of said to her, so how, do, how did I go? She goes, you know, you did really well. You managed to get that little bit of northern in there that he, um, where his family's from. And I was like, oh, fuck. I really thought he was all southern. I did all my very best to get rid of it. Because <laughs> originally it was the only Irish accent that I could do was a northern one. And I could feel myself gravitate to that all the time. Yeah. So then I desperately tried to get rid of it. She's like, oh, no, no. And I was like, I mean, awesome. <laughs> totally meant to do that. Fuck. <laughs> ben, you've talked to me. Yes. You're so you've wrapped. You've got an, a year left of where are you? You're going RMIT. Swinburne. Swinburne. Sorry. Yeah. Oh, and what's the rest of the year? Um, so I'm shooting two films early on in the year. Two grad films. And you don't know what they are yet, of course. I do. Oh, you yes, do. Yes, talk, can you talk to me? So there is an indigenous horror film. Get the fuck I know, out. I know, I know. It hasn't, I haven't really heard no of it one's being done, done except, before. except yeah. you could possibly call that Jane, it's not, what was the one shot down in Tassie with the girl from Northern Ireland, um, the Aboriginal fella and they're running through the forest and there was all the rape scenes and everyone, oh, uh, Jennifer everyone yes. cracked up about it, some I, people left. I haven't seen it. I don't know that it steps into the horror category, oh. but it's fucking brutal. Babadook director, Jennifer Kent. Really? really yeah. Yep. That would, that, is that new? New. Yeah, yeah. I was just at like getting a one-way ticket to that Sydney cinema. Film Festival. People walked out. Well, that's the, that's the thing so I was That's the thing I was yeah, yeah, I've yeah. got a film to mention later about people walking out, but we'll keep that for later. <laughs> um, uh, so that's an Indigenous horror film by my good friend and and fellow uni student uh, Matthew Hargraves. Um, yeah, so that's that's an Indigenous horror. That's that's a new one. And it's certainly Feature. No, no short. short. Yeah. So both shorts? Both shorts. Yeah. Yeah, cool. yeah. And the other is a film called Bitten Tongue. That was called In the Light, by the way, because it features a mythical indigenous creature that cannot go into the light that's trying to get two people around a campfire. Yeah, right. Um, as set in the twenties. Jesus. I know. Yeah. Awesome setting. It hasn't been explored too thoroughly. I mean, Sweet Country was probably the closest thing oh, I could think of. That was a beautiful film. I haven't seen it. Warwick is great. Yeah. Warwick Thornton. Indigenous, Indigenous director. Warwick. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, That yeah, was yeah. shot beautifully. Yeah. Here. The is that with... Who, who's the, the the old boy in that? Um, Sam Neill. Sam Neill. Okay, yeah, that's in that Sweet one. Country, yeah. Okay, oh, yeah. yeah. Great film. Yeah, you okay. haven't seen it yet? No, I haven't. Oh, man. Is Brian Brown in that as well? Yes, he is. Yes, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really want to see that. Oh, God, it's good. Yeah, It's good. Um... And the other one is called Bitten Tongue, uh, directed by Braden Thompson. No relation to me. <laughs> um, and that is about a Australian soldier who his heart and soul is in the army, but he develops epilepsy and he starts to steal um, the seizure suppressant medication so he doesn't get on record, so he doesn't get kicked out of the army. Fucking he has to make hell. the decision whether he should leave to for the benefit of the safety of everyone, yep. including himself, or keep pursuing his dream and hiding his illness. His dream of going to war. I mean, that's an interesting fucking dream, isn't it? Yeah, it is. War, yeah. Certainly not mm. a dream I've ever possessed. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, Zero interest, man. I mean, there's a little bit of... Like, uh, put me in prison. I'm not fucking going. A bit of yeah. temptation inside me in sort of having that worldwide adventure experience. I somewhere that hit the nail on the head. It was every young man... Is seeking something to test themselves. It's like, ah, oh, that explains it all. That's so true. It's that primal inside of a I man. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. You think back to our roots. You know, it's like you wanna you wanna do what you're supposed to do. And so, yeah, but, but I don't think it's too kind of strange to have that need. But you know, yeah, not. No, not, I don't think it's strange at all. Yeah. I totally get it. It's yeah. just not one that I've ever I've ever yeah. had. It's hard for us. I remember when nine eleven happened. Yeah. And. I was a door-to-door salesman in Scotland wow. and saw it through someone's window and whatever and everyone's like, oh, fuck, we're going to war. And as soon as I got on the phone, my mum was like, you got to come home. You're definitely going to be going to war and this is bullshit. Mm. And I'm like, what the 
not fucking going anywhere. A, my two-year working holiday in London has just started, so I'm not leaving. And B, I really don't think I'm going to war. No. <laughs> I was, you know, I was like 60 kilos at that point and like yeah. 20 and I looked about 10. <laughs> I want to do a salesman for <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll make some fucking money. Um, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Ben, um, yes. you'll finish out that year. Yes. You keep doing your work and what have you. You've got mm-hmm. a bit of a gap now. Yeah. You'll work on those. And those are finals for... Two other students, two yes, other but students. that acts as my final as a cinematography great, 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 great. student. Yeah, yeah. And what's the? I mean, apart from stating the obvious, what's the sort of overall goal? Goal, desire. Do you have like a a genre that you feel that you will be known for, or hope to be known? I for? would love to shoot a beautiful war drama, right? Like Dunkirk. Okay, something along those lines. Yeah, That's yeah, kind yeah. of the That's style. That awesome. gritty washed out but still something about it is beautiful that is what i aspire cool. to get to you've seen the thin red line yes god that is a beautiful film yeah oh yes yeah yeah it sure yes. is mm. i mean i really really like terence malick and then i struggle i must confess with some of the films he's done tree of life i heard is a <gasps> it's a real labor it's yeah, a love, love or absolutely despise it's beautiful but i still <laughs> haven't made it through to the end man i, I haven't even tried yeah but the I thin know, red like, line yeah. i love oh that was so i went to that cinema when i was like 17 oh yeah mm. incredible so something in that realm yeah i mean you know we've touched on it um but i'd certainly love to perfect my craft and keep making war films with benno mm. what wouldn't you do what wouldn't i do comedy is hard to shoot for me because I'm looking for dark, gritty angles, and that just right. doesn't work for me. Yep. Okay, like, I've shot a couple of comedy showreel scenes. I look back at them. I just don't like them. Like, I don't like how they look. I can't do the comedy, you know? I don't know how, like, cinematographers in the comedy genre do it. Like, they've just got something, a look. Everyone has their look, you know? Mm-hmm. My look does not suit comedy at all. Yeah, right. I figured that much. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting to try at some point. Yeah, um, just but it's, a, it is a risk because I don't want to go in blind. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. But that would be good, just you know, because you have shot a couple of my showreel scenes mm, mm. to to work with, you know, uh, uh, whoever as a newcomer. Yeah, um, you might even find someone that comes along your door at some point when you are ready to 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 lay down some time for free and say, "Look, I don't shoot comedy. Mm. I really want to have a crack at it. Mm. This is a comedic scene." Mm. I give it to you for free if we if we work out a yeah you know and this is yeah, just yeah. something for us mm. to do maybe it doesn't work maybe you have to go and get someone else to shoot exactly it. yeah you can look at it as a rehearsal mm. but you just because there must be a way I know there are some rules to comedy I feel like and I'm probably talking out of my skill level here but from what I've heard it's probably one of the most rule heavy genres in terms of timing and I know that you mm. can there's there's the timing and the editing on a comedic film would be editors for comedy are geniuses right it's just but even your shot planning and 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 leading the audience (coughs) um yeah because you've got to move at such a pace Mm. you can't have a slow paced comedy (laughs) you know a meaningful i mean you can have a meaningful comedy but it still rips along yeah you know yeah i think probably like Notting Hill was probably one of the only films I've ever seen seen where they have this montage that is really slow Mm. and it almost beats out across a whole Al Green song, which Mm. is like this. There's no dialogue in Mm. that, but you're like, well, this is really slow paced monologue in the middle of a reasonably quick paced, Mm. you know, Hugh Grant type Mm. comedy. Hugh Grant. (laughs) Back in the day. I mean, you've got to hand it to him. He's 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 can't, weathered the can't storm. Can't put him in a drama. What has he has he been in a drama before? Maybe. Um, what was the film with Tom Hanks and Haley Berry? The the multiple timelines. Saving Private Catwoman. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Oh man, we're having a t- fucking. Oh, Cloud Atlas. Cloud Atlas. Uh, that was. I never saw that. It was too wacky for me. It's actually really, really good. Really? And I really, really liked it. Okay. And I thought that oh. Hugh Grant, he plays this like um, cannibal 
Whoa. in like full paint on a horse, the whole bit. That is interesting. And I, I thought he was brilliant. I would not have picked that. And you're looking at it because you don't know it's him. I and think some of the best casting comes out of someone who you don't think, like you think, no, no, they couldn't. It's the best. They couldn't do a drama. It's the best. And yeah. they, they put them smack bang in the darkest drama possible. I mean, Vince Vaughn did all right in True yes. Detective Season yeah. 2. I was very as much as that was an awful season. <laughs> <laughs> in comparison to the first, I reckon if the first didn't exist, it would be good. Yeah. Right. But because the first hey, season really was so incredible, yeah. that's what, that was probably when I finished that series. I was just left speechless in the thing. That's what got me into cinematography. I thought it was The Revenant. Um, I think cinematography specifically. Right. Just because True Detective. And I, I like I found out Adam Arkapor is a VCA graduate. He's the cinematographer of True Detective. So I thought oh, if wow. he can do it as an Australian Melbourne, Melbourne person, then I can do it. Yeah. You know? yeah. And then I think, you know, if it was easy, everyone would do it. So that's why you got to kind of put up with the slogs, yeah. the long hours, all that kind of stuff. No, I really liked Cloud Atlas. I thought he was great. Mm. Um, you know, originally, um, Bruce Willis, no one wanted to see him in Die Hard. Really? He, he was a comedian. Yeah. You was know? he? What was he Yeah, in? he was in... Um, I haven't seen much of his Blind Date. I said, called I Blind Date? No, no, Moonlighting. Moonlighting was a TV show mm. with Sybil, Sybil Shepherd, and it was a comedy. It was a sitcom, the whole show, right? Mm. He was funny. Um, in that kind of high energy kind of, and then wait, what? Bruce That's Willis as a fucking Yippie action Kaya hero, motherfucker, and he smashed it. Oh man, him and forgive me, I've blanked. <laughs> Rick. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, oh yeah, oh. fucking Jesus. Alan Rickman, Rickman yes. Yeah. That was a stellar performance. Right, that was. he was his breakout at like 45. Yeah. He didn't start until he was like my age or maybe a little older. Yeah. Like I think he was an accountant or something. No, mm. maybe an architect, I think. And he was like, you know what, fuck this. I want to be an actor. Man. I think he, he might have dabbled when he was a kid. He has the face, the voice, everything. The voice is the best. Oh. Have you heard um, mm. Benedict Cumberbatch's version, like impression? Of Alan. Alan. No. Yeah, on Jimmy Fallon, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. very good. No, there's some good... Have you seen those deep fake videos where someone does a impression on Jimmy Kimmel or whatever? Yes. Or Jimmy Fallon. So many Jimmys. Yeah, have you seen um, um, Old then, Mates of Tom Cruise? Yes, and Al Pacino. Bill Hader's Al Pacino. Bill Hader. And they... Do you know what deep fake is? No. Oh, it's, so it's like this newish kind of like... Is it like one of the dark web kind of thing? I don't know. I don't know how the fuck I they do yeah, it. I don't know, but it's like they... like put a celebrity's face on someone but it molds perfectly okay. to their like 3D facial structure okay. so you can create like a and fake video dial like, in and out oh man it's like seamless really? it's really I thought, great I thought Bill Hader had gotten like a scar <laughs> on his eye just to do a Scarface impression yeah yeah, because you s- it was just deep fake yeah you see the um, thumbnail for the mm. video and you're like I know mm. that's Bill Hader but that's also Tom Cruise yeah holy fuck but it's only like it's like subtly done that you go wait is that Tom Cruise no no, 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 no. And oh, some of it's amazing. One day I'll have Dangerous. this podcast set Dangerous. up like Joe Rogan where we've got the screen and I've got a producer there and we can just mm. bring up shit and check <laughs> it out. Yeah, mm. That would be really, that really would cool. Be, that would be dope. That would be pretty awesome. Um, so that's cool. So you're going to stay in Geelong and you're going to keep, keep plugging away at that. Keep plugging away filming yep. ads and what and then just keep making films with Benno. Yeah keep making films with any of my uni mates that need their film shot and they like my style because, um, yeah, I do have a specific style, I think. A hundred percent. Yeah, and I love your style. I think it's fucking brilliant. Ah, appreciate it. Yeah. Um, where's that one? And <laughs> Ben, um, head, do you me. have an inkling of what you would want to write next? Um, like, will you write the next thing or will you just try and stick to directing? Yeah. No, I love writing. I love writing and I uh, like I like to think that I will direct the strongest if it's something I've written. Of course, that can't always happen. I think, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's for not, sure. Yeah, that's a perfect world. Um, yeah, I, uh, again, yeah, same, similar to Benno, I love gritty period drama. That's my thing. I, uh, yeah, I feel like I have a niche for period settings. Um, even in terms of wardrobe or tapping into a character, I feel like I can, it just feels a whole lot more rich to me. In that kind of setting, may I add, yeah. May I add to that yeah. statement. I found even with visuals, if you have 
a person on the street in casual clothes, modern day, mm. it is very difficult to make that look incredible. I mean, the cinematographers of like modern day dramas, they are they are working hard. To That's make their that gift. Look good. Oh yeah, yeah. Period drama. You can make that look beautiful because right. it's already something that's unfamiliar. But we're already transported straight away, well, and exactly, we get that yeah. little buzz when You've we got see the costume, it. We go, oh, but it had the, the prod design has to be perfect, down to every little detail, because people will pick it out. It's interesting what you just said then, and I'm thinking of, and I'm trying to rack my brain, um, of an ordinary shot mm. that was captivating. It instantly, I'm taken to the opening shot of a History of Violence. Have you seen a History? Oh. What's the opening shot again? It's just that Beautiful tracking film. shot of him going into the little shop where mm. the little girl is to collect more water. Yeah. And he ends up murdering those two people oh, in there yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And old mm. mate, his buddy, is in the convertible driving along mm. with him. Vigo Mortison, yeah. And the... And the um, Dude. Uh, what's his name? He's from Appaloosa. What's his oh, name? Oh, Ed Harris. Ed Harris, that's the yeah, one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ed Harris comes in a little bit later and you've also got Maria Bello mm. and... William Hurt. Such a good movie. William Hurt is next level mm. in that film. Mm. As far as I'm concerned, he was the standout. Yeah. And and, and Vigo's incredible. I Look. loved Vigo in that film. Yeah. What's well, yeah. not to love? He's I don't know that I've ever seen him in anything post Lord no. of the Rings that yeah, I didn't that's love. True. Yeah, 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 yeah. You I know, mean, he there's did that, some there's shitty that films. film about when they go on a journey, long journey, to like the fifties or something. Oh, Green oh, Green Book. Oh, because there's yeah, Green Book, which came out, which was phenomenal. Because that got Vigo. that's Vigo, yeah. Oh. He's um, a driver. Yeah, he's the driver, um, the jazz musician. Um, oh, the one with Cody Smith McPhee that you showed me. What's that one? Long Long Road, the road oh, something, the road. Yeah. Oh, the road with Charlize. That was good. Woo. That was heavy. Heavy. That's Love one of the heavier that's, films I've seen. That's. I feel like that's the style that I like. That dark, yeah, depressing, like with, but little subtle moments that are like heartwarming. That's that's what I love shooting. So have you have you seen Requiem for a Dream? Oh, have I ever? Beautiful Ooh. movie. See, that's an interesting way to find some comedic beats in something that's yeah, because there are. You know, mm. when she gets jacked up on speed and she's running around the house with the vacuum cleaner and lifting up the telly and what have you. Mm. Like, there's some comedic transitions mm. in there. And then it just goes. That is a oh, that Luxa Turner, <laughs> that song at the end, the montage where all their lives have just gone to shit. He's cut his arm off, and she's getting double Lose ended in, on a gets, stage. Oh, what is the old dude? Ash to ass, the dude, oh, yeah. <laughs> the creepy dude at like the sex party with bloody That's um Jennifer Connelly. Yeah, and who's the who's that that. Big black fella. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always yeah. forget his name from he, something he about Mary. He voices over so many so video much. He game did Batman, didn't he? Well. he? didn't do the Batman um, animation. Did he? Oh, he might have, yeah. Yeah, he's in that, I'm sure. Uh, yeah, and he was in... Um, have you seen Behind Enemy Lines? Uh, yes. The second one. He no. Is, he's the trainer. Are you kidding me? I know. I couldn't believe he went to something that kind of low budget because it was pretty low budget. Because the first one... The first one. Gene Owen Hackman. Wilson. Owen Gene Wilson. Hackman. He should do more actions. Oh! By the oh. way, did you see the one incredible that he did about the is it Taiwan when he's there with um, Lake Bell and that and the, he's an engineer and then there's a coup and they have to get out mm. and um, Pierce Brosnan is like this CIA fucking loose cannon that helps get him out. It sounds like Argo, oh. but it's not. It's not yeah. at all. Um, <laughs> <laughs> forget I said that. <laughs> it's, um, it's 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 modern day and it's really really great mm. and it's him. Um, like you saw him in that film, and mm. he's it's actually the same. It's not. It's kind of the same premise. Actually, he seems to like, do it really like well. Getting out of the he's got to get yeah, out of yeah, somewhere. Yeah, yeah. But it, he's not a military dude. Mm. He's a fucking nerdy engineer. Oh god, that sounds. So and there's similar. this scene where they're at the top of a building, mm. and the fucking uh, militia mm. are, are, are broken out, and they're coming for them. And there's this fallen structure. It's the only mm. thing that separates them. And they've got two little girls and they have to get across this building. Mm, so I haven't seen it. So parents throw their kids from building to building. Like first mum legs it. She, you know, she stops, nearly falls over. Then she legs it again, dislocates the shoulder, rips open her knee the whole bit. Then he grabs his kids and slings them across this, you know, 
And he's wow. fucking like this the whole time watching it. Like, oh. I don't want to see a kid fall to her death. I don't want to see a kid fall to her death. Yeah. It's so heavy. Speaking of children deaths, hereditary. Oh, what a movie. Oh. Um, yeah, I like. Uh, we're big fans of horror. Have you seen that? I haven't. I'm not a oh, huge horror fan, yeah, okay. I guess. Oh, are you going to watch it? I do. I, would, I do want to watch that. Maybe we shouldn't spoil. Yeah. Don't spoil. But Don't if you want to break into the horror genre more, watch that. Hands down. Oh, yeah. I Fantastic. feel like there's a there is a good transition happening in horror where mm. there's a, a stronger drama element. Yes. Yep. You know, like yep. um, Get Out. Yep. Yep. Was great. Fantastic. Well, that was a, a of like three different genres, oh, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. True. Brilliant. So, yep. and here's the thing. I've acted in horrors, tons of fun, tons of fun, and I love that shit. But to sit down and watch, like I, I wouldn't even sit down and watch the horror that I was in. Right. You know? Okay. I'm not interested. Yeah, you got to be. But in the to mood. act into yeah. it, it's great. Oh yeah. There's all kinds of special shit going on, True. blood and guts and yep. deaths and vomiting and aliens and whatever the fuck. Cool. It's pretty awesome, <laughs> you know. Um. So would you? Right out of the gate, would you, if you were talking about period, how mm. far would you go back? Like, if you've got, like, a sweet spot, you like... Yeah, I love Australian colonial history. Um, that's my all-time favourite, I think. But I also like kind of 20th century European history, in, including the World Wars, of course. Um, but, yeah, anything including the kind of the birth of our relatively young nation that we have. Um, yeah, I find fascinating. What um, is it, though? What is it about that that... Yeah. You know, really, it's. I think it's just one of the countries that, well, the only country at the time, of my to my knowledge, that was going through that kind of modern day for the time. Like it was, you know, nineteenth century, eighteenth um, century when when everyone arrived for the first time. Um, white settlers, I mean, of course. Um, yeah, and I feel like it's just this relatively untold side of history. Like there are a few films out there, but it's something that just needs a whole lot more exploring and I think and again in the same stringy bark approach just kind of telling it factually um, not being muddled by Hollywood or anything crazy that's why I think The Secret River did you ever watch that no, ABC, ABC no. two part series fantastic show about um, based on the book by Kate Grenville um, about a ex-convict who's pardoned and he has to make ends meet by helping to ferry cargo up and down the Hawkesbury River and, yeah, he eventually buys the business off, off his boss and, uh, yeah, he kind of settles his family out, out in the bush out there and they just literally have to build their cabin and just live off the land. And it's, yeah, it's fascinating. And just, you know, um, living with the locals and, and just, you know, coming across the dangers with, you know, aggressive, um, you know, white colonial uh, inhabitants around and, and convict farmers and, and the, the natives, of course. And, yeah, fascinating. There, my last guest, James, and I don't know how to say his last name, Vegta, I think don't is know. his last name. Anyways, he is actor, filmmaker, same deal. He's working on a film at the moment that he's been percolating for a while. Um, if memory serves me, he is, he's got a sort of, maybe a couple of drafts in on a script. And I forget the name of the character, but any historian who happens to be listening to this podcast <laughs> who will know who the hell I'm talking about. He was an Australian white settler in like Seaford, Seaforth, is it Seaforth or Seaford? Seaford, I think, rings a bell. Pen Peninsula sort of way, that yep. sounds right to me. Who, and I'm going to be misquoting him and, and getting my facts wrong, but I get the essence of it right. He was a white settler, this is way back, and he did a split. He didn't want to be part of the colonisation or what have you. Along that little journey, he found a spear. I'm really connecting some loose dots here, but he found this spear and then he stumbled across an Aboriginal... Um, what's the word? Burial mound? No, like a whole bunch of Aboriginals. Oh, right. Uh, yeah, I don't know if they use the term clan. Or no, no. Uh, people? Tribe? Tribe. Tribe. Okay. Tribe. And the spear was owned by shaman and mm. now i'm pretty sure that he wasn't given that spear by the shaman he just came across it somehow and they believed that he was the reincarnation of that shaman this is like the william buckley he said yep done yep oh, that's him that. yep 
Yeah. William Buckley. So he's yeah. writing a film about that. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, and oh, we talked awesome. about it a lot yep. on this last podcast. Okay. Um, I didn't say William Buckley. It was in my head because we talked about another film about this Australian fella who studied with Van Gogh oh. and did all this major trips around the world and did all this art and what have you. And I thought that that was his name. But anyway, so yes, mm. William Buckley. So Fantastic. he's written a story about that. Now, I think stories like that are, are, are really oh, quite yeah. incredible. And my father-in-law, actually, I thought about you guys for this one. Um, he was telling me he would love to see a film made about, and I do not know his name, but he was in the First World War and he was Korean descent, if I'm not mistaken, mm. and he was a sniper for the Australian Anzacs. Billy Singh. That's the man. Yep. And the Turk, the whoever that he was faced off against. Yeah. And he, they reckon somewhere in the vicinity of 300 kills. Yes. And no one has ever talked about it or, I mean, yep. I'm sure there's some books and what have you, but yep. a film about that would be epic. Crazy story. Yeah. yeah and if, if it was ever going to happen, now's the time. Yeah. You know, when diversity is key. Exactly. Yeah, he right. features briefly in the Channel 9 Gallipoli series, um, Billy Singh. Oh, really? But yeah. He, um, yeah. Remember when um, Cody Smith McPhee's character goes to become a sniper? It's like for one episode, I think, and he meets the kind of the old hand in the trench that shows him what's what. Yeah, so at the end and he goes, oh, you know, Corporal Singh or whatever his name is. Um, yeah, and he, uh, yeah, but, oh, there'd be a feature in that. A hundred percent, a hundred percent, and I'm sure that there is some filmmakers in Australia who have some kind of connection to the whole story culturally, mm. ancestrally, that give it a little bit more poignancy and what have you. I would love to see a film like that. Um what did you guys think of the proposition? That's got to be. Uh oh. Yeah. Uh oh. Haven't seen it. Oh. Get the fuck out. I oh, know. I've been meaning to see it. I can't find it meaning. anywhere. Oh, huh? iTunes. Oh. <laughs> it's going to cost yeah. you four ninety nine a rent. Oh, see, no, I always <laughs> go for the DVDs. I like DVDs. Yeah, yeah. That's um, old fashioned, but I do on, love. A, I do love a good DVD or Blu Ray even. I know, but you know, if yeah. you want to start getting nostalgic, I know. yeah, yeah, go and get a VHS. Get VHS. <laughs> no, no, I love a good VHS. That's good old days. Laser so, disc. No. So the good old days. What what was so good about shit quality? You have to <laughs> <I> <laughs> rewind the tape. Oh, the good old days, dude. The proposition <laughs> is next level. Yeah, that's got uh, Guy Pearce, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah, and John Hurt. Oh, Danny Houston. Mm. Um, no, no, yeah. Ray Winston Gotta say it Gotta say it Emily Watson Yeah It's incredible And it's written And I want to say Directed by Nick Cave mm. What else did he do? Nick Cave No no like I know the name But I've just blanked um, he, He's the first season Pe Peaky Blinders I'm oh, pretty sure Oh nice Yeah uh, Yeah 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 the Bad Seeds um, And he also did Lawless Oh Oh yeah Guy oh. Pierce. Tom Hardy, Jessica Lawless. Chastain. Oh, did we watch it? Yeah. Jason Clark. 20s America. Yeah. Prohibition. Yes. Virginia. Yes. Guy Pierce. I wasn't 110% fan of that. What? Yeah. yeah. Guy Pierce with that horrendous split that he raises into And his um, what's his Shia LaBeouf? Yeah. yeah. And Mia Wachikowski, or whatever her name is. I'm sorry, Mia, I'm probably pronouncing that <laughs> terribly. If you're listening. <laughs> yeah, I hope you're listening. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I... What were you a fan of? I don't know. It didn't... I didn't feel like it brought the West alive, if that That's makes sense. That's not the sense. West. Not the West. Like, what do you? what would you call that? Just the Prohibition era. Oh, right. Yeah, but this is this is out of the city prohibition. These are the bootleggers that made all the booze that the gangsters I why, distributed. I know, I know. We we finished the movie, and we were like, eh. <laughs> yeah. I, I recall that. Yeah. yeah. I think it's a true story, yeah, by I the really way. Want to comment? Because I can't remember. Yeah. Get that closer mm. to your mouth. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> no, comment. no comment on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. Should watch it again. Go have a rewatch. Yeah. Yeah, I mean it's a true story, which I think is mm. is really fascinating. That's cool. Jessica Chastain's brilliant. Mm. Guy Pearce is next level. Mm. Um, mm. Mm. musing over films. Mm. Mm -hmm. And what about um, the international route? Do you guys have plans to to go and do some time in LA and 
Canada is Canada. really exciting for us. Yeah. Uh, we've got plans to kind of, in the next couple of years, just kind of move there. I've got a cousin over there at the moment um, doing really well. I Toronto or yeah, Vancouver? I'm thinking Toronto. Um, but, yeah, she's uh, – I think the, f- the, the figures is something crazy, like what they do over there in a month or a week or something crazy is the same amount of films that in Australia we do in a year. So it's like stuff being churned out everywhere. Oh, dude, and, yeah. and do you know what? The population of Toronto is like a quarter of the population of here. Right, yep. I need like a fact check afterwards. But I, we were, before we found out we were uh, having a baby, mm-hmm. we were going to move. Right. Because Kira went and she oh, was like, course. you got to go. Mm-hmm. You know. And then I started looking at population in terms of ratio of work and jobs. And mm-hmm. that population is nothing compared to here right. with way much more work okay her both her cousins are crushing it like her little cousin was just on handmaid's tale really oh yeah whoa she's okay. got a full three minute scene with Nuts. uh what's her name elizabeth moss yes okay. yeah wow um and apparently netflix is building a studio there ah okay so we were like yep and then Wah, baby <laughs> still in the pipeline though yeah, yeah, it was always, we knew that we could get pregnant any day. Yeah. And I said, look, I'll, I'll put this on the back burner. Mm-hmm. If if we're going to have a baby, there's, there's no way I'm going to uproot Erica from all of her family with a yeah, newborn. Yeah. Um, and that that's just how it goes, you know. Um, but it's definitely, definitely part of the plan. I mean, ultimately, if someone or somehow I manage to, to get a visa for the States, that's a done deal. But I feel like t- Canada is probably an easier inroad because the ratio is much greater in terms of talent and, and work and what have you and population, mm. you know. But in saying that, when I was living in New York, um, you know, I'd be auditioning twice a week. Right. Whereas here, maybe once every three weeks, mm-hmm. you know, and the population of New York is half the population of Australia. Yeah. <laughs> yep. True. So if that gives you any indication of ratio, yeah, you know, it was, yep. oh, there's so many people's competition so fierce. For me, I don't give a fuck about competition. I just care about getting into the room mm. and just being able to have a go. Yeah, that's. Uh, I can't control the rest. You know, I can control what happens before and during. Can't control the rest. And the more times I get to have that control over what might be, is better. Mm-hmm. But here I, I'm. I have zero control because there's there's fucking nothing happening, mm. and 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 you know I have actors, uh, friends who are actors like Anthony Sharp, and they're auditioning more, and that's great, but they're not auditioning as much as they should be, for their skill level, yeah. you know, and that's one of the, as, you know, every Australian creative knows, it's yeah. it's it's that's part of the grind, yep. and you listen to. Like a lot of the podcasts that I listen to, which have been a huge inspiration for this podcast, like Dax Shepard, um, armchair expert, and he talks about struggling for 10 years and he did struggle for 10 years, but at the same time, how he defines struggle in terms of a working actor and how we define struggle are two totally different things. <laughs> you know, he's like, just making enough to live. Shit. That's a game changer for an actor here. Mm. Just making enough to live from acting? What? You're successful. Yeah. You know? Yeah. They don't consider that being successful until they're on a billboard. Like here, it's like, God, if I if I booked enough commercials to pay my bills or enough spots, I, I'm a full-time great. actor. I'm, mm. I'm good to go. Mm. You know, the rest is gravy. Like, yeah, yeah it's, a, it's a different, it's a whole different thing. Yeah. Yeah. Cool beans. Well, lads. I really appreciate you uh, driving up from Geelong and oh, it's a pleasure spending the time and it's been an honour to be, be on the podcast and, and you know it's, it's just been great. Yes, yeah, good this to see you again and I'm, yeah. I'm stoked that uh, you're into the next phase with Stringy and I really hope that we can get that into a cinema and because that'd be cool too just to see it against a new audience again mm. and then ultimately. It'd be great to see it on like SBS on demand or something. Oh, like. I feel would, like that's that the platform cool. that's perfect for it, right? Any sort of proper Aussie demanding service would be perfect. I'm just going to throw this out to the masses and I'm going to put you on the spot for a little second. I did pitch you on an idea a while ago. Mm-hmm. 
But this is what this show is about. So let's just put it out into the ether. I did feel, um, and it's only because I'm so invested in the story and I think it's so great, but for selfish reasons too, as I explained to you, I would love to expand that and I'm getting older and it might not have happened. I think that's one of the the little niggles that came from, I won't say his name because I don't remember it, (laughs) but hacked me for being an old Ned Kelly. But (laughs) (laughs) Um, if someone of any position is ever listening to this podcast, I would love to see that story expanded within hours of the event, you know, just to show Mm. um, to someone out there. Ben has said that if a couple of hundred grand came his way, he would step back into the hot seat and, and reshoot the rest of that film. But wouldn't it be so cool if you got to see them struggling to find arms? And don't agree with me if you don't think it's cool. And then seeing the boys at their little hidden hut and all of that. And even if it was just like you still, even if you didn't um, uh, sabotage your grand entrance, but then you have these sort of backtracks where you have this non-linear sort of, if that's the right expression, but just to show how unprepared that they were and how prepared he was and them and McIntyre's struggle afterwards. God, I'd love to see that turned into a feature. Wouldn't that be sick? Yeah, um, I think it would be phenomenal too. Um, it would It would just need a whole big injection of cash. A big injection of cash and that's, you know, ultimately what this podcast I hope will become Mm. is a place to just float these ideas into the ether because I would hate to see, this is what I would hate to see, I would hate to see someone come along in three years seeing how well your story tracked, being that it's fair game story and going and doing that, Mm. Mm -hmm. you know, and you you guys not being at the helm. Yeah. Because... Because it's such a great story. Yeah, yeah. And you are so on point for being the first of that party. Yeah. You know what I mean? Thanks, dude. Thank you. Yeah, and it's been a wild ride. And, um, yeah, it's uh, – I would, I would love to revisit. Um, currently, I think being at the stage we were, you know, um, only a year ago, um, it's not much different now. But, yeah, I think we – we broke out media-wise and um, I think it got the attention that it could have um, at that stage. I feel like, yeah, it might, might be a different story if we had another crack at it, being that we've kind of got a bit of names out there in the media now. But, uh, yeah, um, could be in the pipeline. It fucking would, dude. Let me just say, because here's the other thing. If you went overboard with cash, you would lose continuity. Mm. You know, you would have to match that film yeah. if you were going to expand it. <laughs> I'd do it for free. <laughs> I'll hold you to that. <laughs> That's a done deal, man. That, that is that is out into the ether now. I would do it for fucking free, no matter what the state of my career. Yeah. Um, I just think that there's it'd be so awesome. But but it's still it it's not to say that it, it isn't awesome. I just think that you have this little nugget of extra room, mm. and then you have this two hour feature, and then you've done it right, and then you hold that story for ten years. Mm. Ten, what, what is it, 10 years between Ned's and this one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know, or Ned Kelly or whatever? Yeah. But if it's, if it's, that's what I have to say about that. Yep. No, <laughs> see how we go. That's all I have to yeah, say. Yeah, man. Well, that's really, it. Yeah. That's it. Let's yep. hope someone hears this and goes, I like what these boys are up to. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that thing. Yeah. I'm going to give them some cash. It's as that. simple as that. <laughs> I, I will tack on a little information. We were talking about this guy earlier. I don't think it was in the podcast. But most of the people, like your guy in Perth who gave you a big little chunk, mm-hmm. are people with cash who want to dabble in the arts but aren't artistic. And I hope I'm saying it right, Houston, Howard, Howard Houston. <laughs> he was talking about a young fellow who came to him with a story and he said, look, you've got a great story. It's a 10-minute little short, but I don't know you. No one knows you. You have no backing. You have no audience. Go back. Build an audience. I'll help you do that. I forget the dynamics. Anyways, he built this little web series around it. I think he even wrote like a little comic or something, like just a couple little episodes. I forget what he did, but he did a bunch. Excuse me. And he he might have even shot a little proof of concept like you and I did, um, Ben, of, of my film, The Park, recently. And then 
came back and on that travel, a car dealer owner caught wind of what he was doing. And as an offset for his tax and this and this and that, he had like five dealerships or whatever. He gave him half a mil. And he came back to him and he said, oh, how'd you go? And he said, well, guess what? I've got X now to make a feature and we've expanded. We've got an audience. Wow. So you just never know. You do never know. Someone just in that. I don't think I actually also told you I did some photos for a guy recently who bought the home that the boy who Ned Kelly rescued from the river was raised in. Right. Yeah, and showed me all the photos. It's it's a heritage site, and they bought it as their home. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I reckon Ned actually pushed that kid in, (laughs) (laughs) and then rescued him just to get the sash. That makes so much sense. (laughs) On that note, good night. Thanks for having us. Thanks, guys. (laughs) 